I'm Joshua Potts, Mr. Possible, always with the brother with the same mother, Aaron Potts, Super Hot Potts, and you're watching and listening to your favorite two black writers every single two black two Fontaine in our hotel lobby. About to get us kicked out, bro, by yelling at the top of your lungs, but it's all good. You, you know, know me? They say we loud, so I'm gonna be loud. <laughs> I'm gonna be loud. You gonna live up to the stereotype? Exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're out here at Prefontaine Classic. Man, uh, a tiring trip, to say the least, for the two of us, but super, super exciting. Taking over the Pre Classic Instagram story and everything, and uh, meeting some of the other magic boosters. Well, not the, well, I guess, yeah, we're all, we're magic boosters for life now. So uh, yeah, the other magic boosters in the group, Anderson, uh, Imorle? Emerald. 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 Yep. Anderson Emerald. Yep. Elijah. I don't know your last name, Elijah. Agers. <laughs> Agers. Elijah Agers from the Magic Boost are joining us on this podcast. We're going to do some, we have some other boosters from, uh, from the past also on the podcast. But uh, yeah, thank you guys for just joining us. Nice meeting y'all and everything. And it's it's pre let's just start here like how was pre-classic for you guys you know like we're, we're doing this kind of raw so it seems like it, it's I, I don't know what i'm talking about it's because i don't really know what i'm talking about you know what i mean but uh let's start with you elijah how did it feel coming out the pre being a part of magic boost all of it you're just initial your initial uh reaction oh man it was exciting it was it was great coming out here um this is my second time out the eugene um and yeah second time shooting hayward um it was pretty cool um i had to i got a chance to put together you know a project without necessarily having assignments or you know like clients i gotta really you know yeah. keep up with so it was pretty cool just having a free like free form and put out my artistic abilities and as for the events the events were pretty cool even though when you're shooting it's kind of hard to watch <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah but like yeah no it was all pretty cool um it was insane like met so many uh different people that never would have thought i would have met like anytime soon at least elijah what's your so what's your background and we know you do photography for but for everyone listening what is like what is like your background and what do you, what do you do okay so um yeah i primarily do photo um at the moment i'm in college um and i'm a minor I major in photography and minor in entrepreneurship. Um, so yeah, I mainly try focus on uh, running photography, but I like to do other things as well, of course. Um, I do, uh, sometimes I do like uh, just portraits of like uh, music artists, th things like that, trying to tap in a little bit to the music industry, but mainly just sticking with running right now. So. Were you a or are you an athlete currently, or were you an athlete in the past? Did you do track and field ever, or what sparked your interest with photography and track? Oh yeah, so um, I actually uh, ran in uh, starting my freshman year of high school. Um, so I immediately started doing running distance because mm -hmm. um, I started with cross country. Um, so yeah, like I think it was the reason reason why it was because like a million and one other people. It was because uh, I didn't want to do soccer <laughs> anymore. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I went from soccer 
because um, I was doing soccer and cross country at the same time before they had made cuts or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I don't, I don't want to do the soccer whether I make the team or not. I don't want to do soccer because yeah. cross country was just so fun. The team atmosphere was just amazing. So I started running like that, and then I continued to do cross country indoor, outdoor, uh, yeah, consecutively until you know COVID hit and things like that. I feel like a lot of soccer players get sucked in the cross country like that because there's nothing really like it, especially being like a co-ed sport. But let's get in. But I want to talk about also because you went to the New Gen camp last year as well. Oh, I want to yeah. talk about that for a little bit. But I want to let's get into Anderson real yeah. quick because we knew we contacted Anderson yeah. before this almost like two asked me no not almost we like two years ago because we're you're yeah. on uh, a podcast with us in the early days mm-hmm. when we got our Instagram band and everything like that, <laughs> running your track and field black history and everything. This dude also has a YouTube channel, The Final Leg, where he recaps uh, a lot of a lot of races and everything like that. Now to finally meet you is, yeah. is, is crazy, but you guys are both East Coast guys, but yeah. Anderson, how did you feel being in the uh, being in Magic Boost and being at the pre-classic, one of the premier meets in the world yeah i mean magic magic boost has been crazy just to meet so many new people who are like creating content so many diverse people who are creating so many different forms of content it's been so dope um to have the opportunity to be able to do this um you know just being able to see new fresh faces um of young people in the mix zone at the press conferences right like just being amongst all these people is so dope so yeah magic boost has been crazy and it's been it's opened up so many opportunities for me in terms of like connections like you know i've been speaking with athletes and coaches beforehand but now being here being able to meet them being able to build even more connections like magic boost has been you know an amazing experience so far and um i mean the meet Prefontaine, Prefontaine is like one of the best diamond, if not the best diamond league yeah. for the year, right? Um, and I actually came to Prefontaine in 2017, so oh, yeah. I saw the old stadium. Mm. Yeah, so this was like a completely different experience, and it was like it blew my mind. Yeah. <laughs> it blew my mind to be here. So yeah, yeah. I definitely remember last year, my mind was blown just seeing the entire stadium, and you all went on that like the tour, yeah, on yeah, the inside yeah. and everything. And being, I mean, you're track and field, you black history you know all the history and stuff <laughs> like you know I, I, I was geeking out under there I, I was seeing some some like historical name historical and new names like Otis Davis he broke he was uh won the Olympic gold in 1960 but then yeah. you have like English Gardner she got a gold medal in the four by one in 2016 like seeing so many black athletes in Oregon um come to Oregon for it's crazy it's crazy so yeah yeah, and speaking on Magic Boost, because like we just mentioned Magic Boost about name drafted about probably 14 times in, <laughs> in like the first eight minutes of this podcast. And like some people may not know what Magic Boost is, but that's run by Hayward Magic and Sidious Mag. They put together uh, really this program for young track and field creators to come into the sport and try and, well, try, not just track, not just creators, but storytellers that tell their stories through different and several different mediums that all culminate into um, into this setting of pre-classic where they can really show on their talents for the past, what, six weeks of just all the training and lessons that you guys really went through. We went through that last year. What really intrigued you, Elijah, just to go into this program when, like, it's really amazing, too, because you see a lot of diversity just from from races to pe- from events, from ages to uh, languages, the gender, everything, so much diversity. But what really attracted you to do Magic Boost? Oh, man. So I was kind of like, excited to to do it so i first saw it um through the instagram for sidious mags instagram um i had actually i had actually reached out 
a few months prior to them uh, putting out the Magic Boost Class of 2022 applications. Yeah. I had reached out to see if uh, Sidious Mag had opportunities, you know, trying to, you know, hustle my photography, get that going and whatnot. And so then um, basically after I saw that post, I took a look at the application and I took a look at everything that they had going on and also the class of 2021 because I was unfamiliar with the um, class of 2021 at the time because I didn't apply the year before. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is actually like really cool. Um, they're, they're getting all these people. And it was crazy because from the class of 2021, I knew like over half the people who are, who are already in it. So I was like, wow, this is like, this is something legit. And, um, it's actually like, um, it's actually something that I, I felt like I really wanted, wanted to do. And I was gravi- I gravitated toward, towards it because of how like appealing it was for photographers and then also beyond just photographers like journalists writers Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it so what's it like too to like see a a bunch of people your age doing the thing too because i feel like a lot of people how how old are you actually are you 20 i'm 19. dang young young boy I was a young, I, well, I still am young. I'm 22, but I was a 19. He's been a teenager. You That's know what I'm saying. <laughs> what, what is that like for you then, being a, being a teenager and being at, you know, this is the big, this is how big they get. It's, like you just said, it's the best diamond league. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're one of the youngest guys out there. You can't even get a drink. Do you bro. feel like you can really <laughs> go to the military? Do you feel like you belong? Yes. Like, I, I feel like here is my spot. And I feel like, I look around and I see my gear and equipment isn't as good as all the other photographers around me, mm-hmm. but I know my art is way better. Mm, um, I feel that. I love that. Like, I, love that. I, feel that. I look at my work. I look at their work. I see, um, like, I see my my perspective on what's happening in my work, and I I come at it from more of an artistic perspective rather than. Um, more of just a, like a photojournalist perspective. Yeah. Um, and I try to, um, I combine both um, in my work and that helps lead to my style. Hold on, I wanna go back to that. You said you're 22. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's crazy. I remember watching uh, when you were in high school, the Rosie, Rosie Project. <laughs> yeah, you, I was like, like a kid, like that Everybody goes day. back to that <laughs> project, bro. You seen him grow up, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, ain't no way he's 22. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, I'm 19. I'm doing my thing. Um, I think it's really cool to just be young and have a fresh take, fresh yeah. perspective on a sport and on uh, on a, like a profession that's kind of dominated at the moment by a lot of older older men. So, I think that was a gem though for you to say that. I ask you like, do you feel like you belong? You're like, yeah, I do. Like, I believe in my art. And like, some people are gonna run that clip and mistake that as cockiness when like it's really just like confidence in what you put out, you know? Like knowing that like no matter what, like I'm gonna put out something good. Like I'm gonna put out something that's for, I'm not just putting stuff out just to put it out. Like you, you may just throw stuff at the wall, you know, just see if it's gonna work, but like you're putting up, you're putting up stuff with intention and like you know, you feel like it has good work with it. That's, that's something that's hard to get yeah. at, from the beginning. Yeah, 19 know? years old, it sounds like you already know yourself and it sounds like you believe in being like your, authentic self just straight up and you know what value that you just being you brings i think that's what it's about especially in the beginning anderson you've been like in the game 
for a, a little bit a little bit longer i feel like how, when did you start doing that I, I think y'all actually started before me because I, I started like late i was writing a blog in like 2017 but i didn't start youtube until 28 like end of 2018 so what was the blog on where was it just on wordpress it or? was on it was on wordpress it was yeah it was a final leg it was on wordpress it was a the 2017 world championships i just mm. was like yo let me just start like recapping Go on, it. right no that was in 2017 london oh yeah london. Yeah, yeah yeah but i was just like yeah let me just like start writing just recapping whatever um and then a year later in 2018 well my goal was like i said okay i've been to a world championships i went to beijing 2015 just as a fan I was like, I want to go to Olympics. Like, yeah. I want to go to an Olympics, and I want to like do something at the Olympics. I don't yeah. want to just watch. So I was like, okay, let me. I want to go to 2020, Tokyo 2020. I could do that. So I set a goal, and in 2018, I moved to Japan. I just moved there as like an English teacher, and then I I worked my way. I made connections, and like I I started that blog or the YouTube um, at the end of 2018. Mm. Started to build a little bit of presence or whatever, and like by the beginning of 2020. I was in i was set like i was like Dang. in a position to like start working in tokyo i actually had media credentials i had a flight i had a, um, a hotel for the world indoor champs in at the beginning of 2020 oh, in, uh, in china, in china. In china. yeah I had everything suit. and then like a week later like covid just like shut everything wow. down yeah, yeah yeah but um but yeah that's that's like kind of my journey through uh through media and then even more recently so i've been of course doing the final leg but um, right after the pandemic, I started track and field black history. And yeah. uh, one of the things, so I'm a little bit older, I'm 32 years old, so I'm a little bit older, but I love the history of the sport. And I love like seeing, you know, our sport is made up of black athletes for the most part, at least on the sprints and the jump side for the most part. But a lot of these athletes, when they retire, they don't get as much recognition, even though they've done amazing, amazing things. So I wanted to be able to highlight some of the black excellence that we've seen in the sport over a whole century so yeah yeah, yeah. And I, I well i love the track and full black history we've had it before and, and i think it's really just cool too because speaking of just like just black people kind of like dominating the sport especially in the sprints and the jumps but like i feel like we we, we always we tend to to back away from that you know, I feel like as a society and like a culture where like we know like people, there's always obviously the jokes and stereotypical jokes like black people are fast mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But like we don't like, but that's just, we just like acknowledge that as, as like a joke. We just acknowledge it as just like, oh, this is just a, a quote unquote stereotype and a trope. But when like, now nah, they're actually like putting it in the work and like yeah. doing this and like, like when we seen Francine Neil Samba yesterday and the Burundi fans in the second, like yeah, the yeah. pride with that. Yeah. I feel like yeah. the, the African Jamaicans fans too. and the Jamaican fans, they have so much pride mm -hmm. in like their athletes and their sport and US fans too from, for people like Michael, like Michael Johnson, like I feel for, and Carl Lewis for like black people is mm -hmm. forever in the hall of fame. Exactly, in a sense, you exactly, know? exactly. Yeah, those are those are like the absolute legends. But you're you're so right. You see Neil Saba. You see like uh, well Safana San. I think last year, right? Like all the Ethiopian fans and like yeah, yeah. Um, well you know her Netherlands fans, right? But um you know you see the Ethiopians, you see the Kenyans. Like they have that pride. But you know some of the, the sprinters, it's like the the top top sprinters. You know Bromel Coleman, they'll get a lot of recognition. But then. Some of the lower level spinners, you know, they won't get as much recognition. Or even the distance athletes, a lot yeah. of the lower level distance athletes won't get as much rec recognition. And not saying like, you know, uh, Chalimo definitely deserves recognition. Um, Inga Britson definitely deserves recognition. But, you know, there's some, there's tons of other athletes, um, especially black athletes who don't get that props and don't get that spotlight. So, yeah. I will say though, I feel like, like you were saying, like there's not that like pride from the American side, but I do feel like there is a ton of track heads 
mm-hmm. like out here. I mean, me and Joshua both grew up running since club and everything. And there are like those coaches, like our dad is a perfect example or like coach or like Jackie and stuff yeah, yeah. that really, really like are into the sport and love track and field. But I just don't feel like they, they don't have a space like the old white distance runner has that space on let's run where they go mm-hmm. and they talk about all that stuff. But like, I don't, I've always felt like there's been that lack in the sprints where they don't have well, a space. Well, race take isn't on here, but I feel like race is low key recreating. No, that he is. He's he creating is. that for the older, for the older guys to just kind of like chop it up and everything, which has been like, been like great. Cause I ain't going to sit down for a two hour thing and see, um, <laughs> I ain't gonna sit down for that all the time but like I know if like dad really get, I know like older people and like they would get sit down and like be in tune to that they just just like that too but also I just felt like like backtracking what I was saying earlier it's about the culture and everything like it's like we never really just like acknowledge like we acknowledge it like black as a joke but we don't really just like relish and elaborate on just like dang like black people are really killing this sport like mm-hmm. it's it's amazing it's like, like the excellence. Yeah. The black people are the foundation. To me, black people are the foundation of track and field. Like, we're the legit foundation of um, track and field. Like, you know, we've, from all the way back from the Jesse Owens, right, all the way to now, you have, um, you know, Fred Curley is like the hottest sprinter right now. He's probably one of the hottest athletes right now. Um, even like, you know, Paul Chalimo with like his his antics and his like energy that he brings to the sport, like that that drives the sport, yeah. right? And that's like the foundation of the sport. So I really feel like black people, you know, we we're building the foundation and we're keeping the sport going. I mean, imagine track and field without black people in it. You can't, <laughs> you, you, literally, you literally can't. You can't really imagine a lot of sports. I mean, we seen, we seen them back in the day with, without us. You know what I mean? And it wasn't as it wasn't as fun. And I think too, that's why me and Joshua Harp one too, like connecting all, all back to like the media from even from the photography to the journalists to the people in the stands. Because I always talk about Stuart Scott and like how he just changed how we how we see and listen to sports and how people talk about them and really made he created Stephen A. Smith, Jalen Rose, and brought all of the entertainment we see in sport kind of really like sprouted off of that yeah. and track has always been behind elijah though what's it been like for you because you came up you know in cross country and distance running like what has what was that experience like in your area we know a little bit about it but we got from the east coast so i don't know if you're from different. are you from maryland like the dc area i'm from baltimore actually baltimore. oh from uh, yeah yeah <laughs> but um yeah so oh i also wanted to add to that before um, shout out to Tara. She changed uh, uh, from the the cowboy hat to the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the to the to the cape <laughs> to the cape. It was the the first the first showing of the cape was pre classic twenty twenty two. That's pretty legendary. <laughs> hey, black people Superman make the sport is in the building. Yeah, Yo. black people Super make the sport more fun. That's definitely you got to have that as a long jumper having a cape. That's cool. You about to fly? Wait, yeah, did, did she jump with the cape? I mi- I missed it. No, no she didn't she jump. Oh with it, though. man, she didn't jump that would be fine. But afterwards, she put it on. She put it on, mm-hmm. on the cape. She had a good jump too. She had a good day. She had Tara had a good day. But then, uh, what were you asking? Elijah, oh, just yeah, uh, yeah, just Maryland. Growing up there, running cross country. Well, starting the cross country freshman year. How was that experience for you? Yeah. So I mean, really, it just. The only problem with it, I'd say, is just it's not it's not competitive. Like, mm-hmm. it's and it's not it's driven to you're driven to become like faster, but it, and it's but it's not really immersed into the sport. Like I felt like when I was running in high school, 
I was the only one actually immersed into uh, running as a whole mm-hmm. because I felt like when the like other people who were distance runners with me, they didn't care much about the sport. They It was just like, you know, your average people, they participate in the sport but don't pay attention to the yeah. sport. And um, I felt like I was really the only one at that time. And then when it came to the uh, sprinters, like the sprinter groups during track and field, um, who would pay attention to the sport, I felt like they only paid attention to sprinters. They yeah, didn't yeah. pay attention to field, distance, none of that, just the sprinters. Um, and I feel like that's also what it's really like growing up like, or in a black household as well, because black people are most dominant in, in uh, sprinting. So um, I think that's really like, why most uh black people are only really interested in sprinting yeah. um because that's where you see the most representation mm-hmm. but um i think it's important that we do see that representation more um more often in um other events and i think yeah that's just something really important and that's something that i lacked um growing up that's why um also my one of my favorite runners was i really appreciated the collegiate um i i yeah i appreciated um college more than professional at the time when i was in high school and so i was like hooked on justin knight because it was mm, like yeah, yeah. oh yeah justin knight you know justin somebody like, oh, somebody great. who looks like me doing his thing yeah. and yeah. i was like okay this is this is really cool and he he won uh cross country ncaa's with that 2017 i think it was mm. i was like wow this is cool I, and it made me feel it made me feel like I could see myself running yeah, at yeah. that level. So I relate to that a lot too, because I remember Nick Simmons was my favorite, one of my favorite runners of all time, running the 800 and everything. And you, like, you cannot be a fan of this dude and he's crossing the line, like flexing and everything. But once I saw Dwayne Solomon and his USC kit, and like he's he's like doing his thing and trying to take people to the twilight zone wasn't always successful but like he was he was trying and seeing him run i was like dang bro i want to go to sc and you know being in southern california you already got reggie bush and all that you know so like i, w- I want to be in that but what i want to ask you too is just like what made you immersed in the sport because all the brands this dude works for hoka all the brands like they want to know like what made this dude that went from soccer to cross country and fell in love with the sport that fell in love with not just like competing in the sport but actually as a fan what made you like fully immerse yourself just as a 15 year old just just being somebody that may have you watched premier league i don't know honestly the the secret is showing i guess like vulnerability like the insides of the sport uh the insides of like these athletes like i got hooked from youtube youtube videos this was mm-hmm. like i i like joined the sport around the time when youtube running was uh, taking mm-hmm. off you yeah. know it was really being founded per se Wait, so was, would you uh, say rosie project is what got you immersed <laughs> <in the> sport? <laughs> uh yeah no for sure that was definitely one of the um one of the aspects in the beginning um it actually felt like when I watched the Rosie Project videos, it felt like I was on a team that cared about the sport uh, rather than just their times or just solely our team. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I thought it was it was pretty big um, just watching those videos. But also somebody, some other people I watched at the time that really were like inspirational were like Zach Levitt um, when he was first coming up. 
Um, who else? It's like Ryan Trahan. Uh, yeah, a little bit, of, a little bit of him. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's hard to think about it right now. Athlete but special. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just everybody. Emma Abrahamson yeah. doing doing her thing. Um, it was all pretty cool. Um, but like even in the running YouTube space, it was just that again lack of representation. Yeah. Um, that just it hasn't it didn't hit that point yet. Um, so, but I think it was it was pretty cool. Um, just watching that and watching the races as well. The races was a really big part of why I like really liked it. So I felt like making races more easily accessible, like like when Flow Track was like putting out the videos of like races like five years ago. Yeah. Like yeah, that was that was good. I like to watch those videos. I because I wasn't a part of the sport at the time. Yeah. But it's not current. It, like yeah. It, like I don't know. It's just and with it with a lot of those things being around behind the paywall. Oh, add to that, the Driven series by Flow Track, yeah. top tier. That was, just, a, that was crazy. Exactly. It was just like, oh dang. Yes, it was just behind a paywall. Yeah. I remember. Nope. I used I used somebody else's account. I don't remember who at this point. <laughs> <laughs> to to finish, I was so pressed to watch the episode twos and episode threes and whatnot. And I was like, that's so good. It showed me who these athletes really are. And that's when, like, due to that series, that's when Vashti Cunningham became one of my favorites. Yeah. Evan Yeager became one of my favorites. And still to this point, there's a reason why I love Bowerman, because I love Evan Yeager. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, really just doing more things like that. But taking away that, that paywall so that you can get these high school athletes who don't have all that money they, into the sport. Yeah, the parents, like, they, they ain't, ain't going to get that a monthly subscription. The high school mm. athlete isn't going to get that monthly subscription. And by the time they go to college, they may just be done with the sport entirely. Just be all like, bro, I was never able to get in touch with it in high school. And now I'm just out here partying, doing this. Like, mm. I, don't, I don't even know when a track meet's on. But then Anderson, like, you went to the, the World Championships in 2015 and everything. Like, you've been on it for a minute. Just, like, like deep, like, loving the sport, loving yeah. track and field. Like, where did that Yeah, I start? mean, my mine is just, like, I mean, I, I started in track and field since I was in, like, middle school. I think, like, my, like, in eighth grade, I was in a summer camp that got me into track. Um, and then ever since high school through college, I ran track. Um, and I, I was of the generation where flow track was kind of coming up when yeah. I was in was high free. school and college. It was it was free. They would come to I competed in the in the East Coast. So every time we went to like the BU track, flow track was. Um, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> um, yeah, whenever I went to like the BU track, flow track was was always there. And then like you can go see a race the next day, like it was uploaded there. Um, but then, yeah, once they started to go to these meets, once they started to put out the Driven Series, like they um, opened up that or they started that paywall. It's like, all right, hold up. Now you, you're asking, like you said, like high school kids, college kids to pay just to see their own race, like, you know, yeah. heat 30 of 100 <laughs> <laughs> at, a, at a big meet. So and that, that just became an issue. And but just even connecting back to what you were saying, like the storytelling aspect, the driven series from Flow Track, were like all these other YouTube pages that were talking, were telling the stories of athletes that, you know, of course they're tracking, track and field athletes, but it's like humanizing them, right? It's you're making that connection to, um, you know, the people who are watching who may not be part of the sport. Um, I, re I remember watching at least the first part of the Trayvon Bumel uh, driven series. And I was like, yo, this is, this is a sprinter 
talking about his life, talking about um, the background that he came with, like there are so many people who can connect with this. You may yeah. not be as fast as Trayvon Bramell, but you can connect with his life. You can literally connect with his life. That's gonna intrigue someone to get into the sport to be like, okay, I wanna be like Trayvon or I wanna yeah. be like XYZ. Cause I, could, I saw that he's able to do this. I saw that he's able to overcome these things. Right, so that, that storytelling and that humanizing, that connection with some of the athletes is super, super important. I think that's what really does help grow the sport. Yeah, and like someone like Bermel has such a incredible story from mm -hmm. recovering from so many yeah. injuries and things like that. But what did you all feel too? Just like y'all got to be in the mix zone, you got to go to the press conferences, and to be yeah, being honest, when we went in those spaces last year, we saw how much we we stood out, but we also saw how much like athletes connect with what we were saying and how surprised they were to see us and also happy. I've even had times too, like I was telling them when we were at Mount Sac, some of these some of these people in the mix zone be asking just terrible questions. Wild, scandalous. Wild, scandalous questions. And I seen it in some of them, their eyes, like, save me. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, you yo. Say, so you look, you looking like, like Keith Stanfield and get out. That's cool, man. <laughs> what? And I'm like, oh, bruh. <laughs> but what was that? Yeah, what was it like experiencing that? And like, how much do you think that can really you know, help bridge some of the gaps that we have in the sport. Yeah. So yeah, at least from, from my side in terms of being able to ask questions, like I think that's super important. That's probably the most important thing, the athletes feeling comfortable about seeing someone that looks like them. Because there, there was a couple athletes that, um, you know, one or two who I asked questions in a press conference, and then later on, they actually came up to me. Like they, they did interviews outside with like some of the, you know, some of the other media or whatever. And they came up to me and they were like, like, they felt relief. They were like, oh, all right, like I could just chill. I could just like yeah. talk, whatever. Like they felt relaxed seeing someone that looks like them and that can kind of connect with them. And they know it's not going to ask like some, you know, generic, regular question and, you know, they got to give like an uptight answer or whatever. Like the athletes feeling comfortable, I think, is the most important thing with like us being there, you know. What's it like being a photographer in, in the space, really? Because did you, would you ask any interview questions or do any video or were you mainly on the track? Um, so yeah, I didn't really do too many like uh, interviews, uh, questions or anything like that. I mainly was sticking to the photo. Um, yeah, so I think I think as a photographer, it's pretty it's pretty cool to do, and I think that my bad. Hold on, can you repeat the question? I'm sorry, I'm really <laughs> yeah, it mostly applied to it mostly applied to interviewing, but you didn't really ask any questions at the press conference or in the mix zone. You you spent most of your time out at the track, but even then, what I don't know what is the makeup on on the track? Are you one of the only black dudes out there, really, or do you, well, did you, you feel had, like you, you stand had the out? Black women photographers on yeah, there. Yeah, oh, it's as, true. As, as oh, your yeah. backup, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, yeah. It was really relieving to see a lot more um, people of color shooting uh, the meets than usual. Um, and I also think that like, uh, when I was being a photographer there, I felt like, um, I was really someone who was there to shoot, like more than just shoot the race, but like, um, tell the stories behind the athletes. And I think it was pretty cool that I could do that. Um, while, like I was going back to what I was saying earlier, like putting my own perspective and art, mm -hmm. art on, onto my work. What kind so. of music are you into too? Because you're saying that you <laughs> take pictures. Right. It's right. random, but you're saying like you kind of you combine like the music with what All you right. do with the artists and stuff. How does that like seep into track and field? 
all of my friends will tell you my music taste is garbage, but that's because I listen to a lot of underground rap. I was trying so to say country I'll, or something. Oh, <laughs> no, country is awful. That's the only thing I don't consider music. But sorry to people who like country but anyway um yeah i listen to um artists like my favorite artist is pierre born um i listen to like playboy cardi um ken carson jace um, like those artists that just be making noises. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's all about the it's all about I'm the about vibes. Say, I don't know none of these people. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the vibes rather than it's all, it's about how the music feels rather than the lyrics in the music. Okay. I, guess that, I guess that's, that's I guess that's, that's how you can put it deep. Yeah. You want to make it deep? That's how you can say. It. Trying to make the photo, the photos, like feel something. Hey, <laughs> you hey, know what I'm saying? hey. I got res- I got respect to the to the lyrics. Like I. I mess with J. Cole heavy. Like, I, I really like his music. Like, my dad was really putting me on that stuff, him and, and Nas back in the day. And I was really like, I, this stuff is like, you know, it's, it's gold. It's great. And yeah. Joey Badass is one of my favorites up there yeah, as well. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah. All right, before we close out, though, I want to ask you guys. Well, we probably got two more questions, but one of the last questions I want to ask you guys. So, what uh, did you guys do this weekend to culminate? your culminate your uh, magic boost experience at pre-classic like what project were you working towards and how do you feel like the project you did today directly kind of correlates to like you and what you want to do going forward in the track and field running storytelling like place yeah yeah i can start so um i'm really glad you asked that question because this was really my first time putting together like a, something I consider a project. Mm-hmm. So my project is um, a portrait series. So I have a collection of portraits of different athletes, and a lot of them uh, I got a lot through practice. Also got a lot as they were entering or exiting the stadium from their races or whatnot, um, as well as sort of in the mix zone and things like that. Um, but more than just the athletes as well, also other photographers, all the people magic um, doing magic boost. Um, different things like that and as well as also coaches Um, so I think it kind of gets and you can really get the personality in all of these photos and I think it's a really strong and powerful piece and it's my favorite it's my first project but it's like my favorite body of work that's that I've produced and so yeah and I think it'll it'll lead to something greater or whatnot Um, and something I can really do in the future, like who knows, maybe Paris, I can do a portrait series hey. out there. And where, where can people find that? Um, it'll be on my Instagram page. Um, I'll also have a full collection on my website. The website is in my bio. My Instagram is E-A-V-Z-L-S. Um, it's E-A visuals for anybody who doesn't understand that, <laughs> but yeah. And then what about for you, Anderson, what was the work that you did for Magic Boost and how do you feel like that kind of connects to the whole entire brand you're trying to build. Absolutely, yeah. So there, there was a couple of projects I was working on, but the main project um, that I was working on, which was for Track and Field Black History, is kind of telling the story of the 400 meters over the past um, about 65 years, since 1960. Um, that was the first year Otis Davis won the gold medal at the 1960 Olympics, and he broke 45 seconds for the first time. Um, 
And since then, there's been so much progress. So one of the big things I got to do here was um, get a full sit down with Karani James, um, who's of course three-time mm -hmm. Olympic medalist, multiple-time world championship medalist. Um, but he kind of ushered in a new wave of the 400 meters where since 2012, he was the first non-American to break 44 seconds in the 400. And then now you see everybody like Steven Gardner, Wayne Van Niekerk, like all kinds of athletes breaking four, um, 44. But there's been kind of multiple waves and multiple generations of the 400 and getting getting to sit down with Karani James was a big, big part of that today. Um, and I also got to speak with like John Smith. I got to speak, or who's a legendary coach and legendary athlete. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then speak with some of the athletes from the 80s. So that's been helping me kind of culminate and eventually build this into like a kind of documentary, hopefully into a, a oh, really in-depth story about the 400. Um, and yeah, I'm, a, I'm hoping to do that a lot with, you know, just being able to tell the progression of connecting the old with the new in uh, various different events. And where can people find that? A track and field black history. Track and field black history, all spelt out on Instagram. Uh, you can find that on all streaming platforms. You'll probably see the Cronny um, James interview with Cronny James and Harvey Glantz, which is his coach. Um, ho hopefully this week. Uh, hopefully if I could get it edited. <laughs> Gotta take some time. But um, you can find that track and field black history on all platforms. Well, appreciate y'all coming on to the podcast. Well, you got something to say real quick? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, one second. So I want to give a huge shout out to um the people who put on the magic boost like mm -hmm. chris Lori, nancy um keith. literally keith cod all of them i i'm probably forgetting names because this is is they're all great people and magic boost is a really great program and you should definitely apply next year um so yeah yeah, apply for Magic Boots next year. We'll bring you on the podcast afterwards, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I appreciate y'all and everything you're doing. Can't wait to see y'all projects. It's good to see y'all. More people of color out here, man. We're really doing our thing and appreciate all the work that you're doing. And we should hopefully be have him back on the podcast soon for something. Yeah, right out fire.